This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Lift every voice and sing till earth and It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and The New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today, we're going to talk about quite a few things. Uh, We have a Navy vet that says he is not allowed to support the Second Amendment at Lone Star College Tumball. And so he was removed as student body president by the faculty. Also, should schools do more to protect our children from attacks? We will discuss solutions on how to protect the babies. And on the phone, we will have uh, Seabon System CEO Scott Silverman. Also on the phone, we will have Quade Lancaster. He's the Navy veteran that is still a registered student at the college of Lone Star College in Tumball, Texas. So we're going to have them on the show to talk about these two issues. Um, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about our, our schools. You know, educators used to respect open debate and prov- provocative ideas. But many professors now think that keeping students in their comfort zones is more important than treating them like adults. So I want to get into that in the last half hour of the show. But in the first half hour, we're going to talk about securing our schools. Should we do more to protect the babies at our elementary schools, middle schools and high schools? Currently, right now, we have our resource officers that are stationed at our high schools, uh, but we don't have them stationed at the middle or elementary schools in the majority of school districts. So when are we going to take school security serious? When are we going to do a little more to protect our loved ones, to make sure they're safe like we do our, you know, everywhere else, like we do the courthouses and places of that nature? So we need to do a little more to protect the babies. Let's get serious about this. In the Texas Penal Code section 46.03, It says that schools uh, actually have the authority to give written permission for anyone to carry. They actually have that authority. It's been there since 1995 uh, in statute. So if it's been in statute since 1995, why are we all of a sudden now this year, 2018, talking about doing more to secure the schools? Such as like, you know, 2017, talk about, you know, allowing teachers to carry. We should have been talking about this 20 years ago. This should have been done 20 years ago. So let me bring into the conversation Scott Silverman. He's a chairman, CEO of Seabond Systems. Scott, welcome to come and talk it, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, sir. How are you doing today? 
Great, thank you. All right, so Scott, tell me a little bit about yourself and why did you start uh, Seabond Systems? Yeah, I live in South Florida, and Seabond Systems is an uh, advanced nanotechnology company out of Houston, Texas, that I joined as the CEO about a year ago. And the reason that I joined is that Seabond Systems has a bunch of cool intellectual property that came out of Rice University that basically does a number of things. But for purposes of today, I think that I should clearly state that the main mission of Seabond Systems from a commercialization perspective is to make glass stronger. So we have products in the automotive sector, but the one that's relevant for today is a window film product and Seabond solution product uh, that is actually used to strengthen the glass uh, in any uh, construction setting and in any school setting. So we can be a relevant part of the answer of how we make our schools safer from a school hardening and infrastructure perspective. Okay, we actually had the opportunity to test this out uh, this week or you know earlier this week on Tuesday. And it was very exciting. It was cold. It was nice, you know, nice and cold, like 30, what is it, 35 degrees out there? Uh, yeah, it was uh, very chilly for Austin, that's for sure. We uh, <laughs> we brought our team down to your range and uh, uh, right outside of Austin, and, and you were a gracious host, and we thank you for having us. And I think that you, as well as the other local media, as well as the school district, saw what our product can do, which is stop a bullet from penetrating a piece of glass and when it gets down to a school shooting situation, that can be the difference between life and death. And see, I'm not going to let myself off the hook that easy, you know. So it was cold. It was like 35 degrees, you know, and I, I go out there and I, I sat in the vehicle until the last minute. You know, they're like, OK, we're ready to, you know, to start this test here. And so I get out of the vehicle, put my 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 vest on and everything, because I'm thinking, OK, you know, when I start testing this stuff, you know, it always ricochets and comes back at you. So I'm thinking about, okay, is this going to ricochet and come back at me? And if it is, where is it going to hit me? It's going to hit me in the face. That's the only thing I'm worried about. Is it really going to hit me in the face or something like that? And so I get out there and I'm standing there. <clears throat> and this is to show, you know, I want to show you guys here you know, how human I am, you know, because I'm not that, you know, that Michael Cargill always does everything right. So I get out there and I, I decide to take my Maxim 9, the silencer code, 9 millimeter, which I've never fired before. And I enjoy doing that. And you know, going out to the range and, and doing some kind of test or something with a gun I never shot before. So I go out there and I pull out my Maxim 9 and I do the very first shot and I miss the target. <laughs> and so I yeah. turn, and then I turn around, I look back behind me and, and the, uh, the, the guy from Fox News, uh, Rudy, Rudy Kosky goes, hey, Mike, you need, do you need to borrow my glasses? So I said, okay. So then I had to coach myself in my head. I said, okay, Michael, you know, okay, front sight, rear sight, just pull back on the trigger. <laughs> Forget about the cold weather. Don't worry about if ricochets and hit you. <laughs> so and so after yeah, that, yeah. and so after that, everything was fine. After that, so you know we hit everything, and it it was a great test. I I really enjoyed this because, um, the the glass. Uh, I, I'm looking at putting this inside my shop uh, because it, it's not only just bullet resistance, or you know, to slow down bullets or stop bullets. It's also for other things as well, right, Scott? Yeah, it can be used for a myriad of things. It can be used for security in a in a retail environment, such as a gun shop or maybe a jewelry store. Um, but you know, clearly, we think that the best application for it, as a result of uh, the shootings at Stoneman Douglas down here in South Florida, as well as Santa Fe and Houston, um, as well as uh, Sandy Hook up in Connecticut and 
and then going back as far as Columbine out in Colorado, if some of those locations had used our system on their glass, uh, lives would have been saved. There's no doubt about it. And and we're not here to profess to be the solution to all of this and that we can end gun shootings in schools. We just profess to be a little piece of the solution to help protect our kids. Uh, but it can be used for other applications as well, Michael, such as in your gun shop in order to prevent break-ins or maybe in a in a jewelry store or other retail environments. And certainly can be used in government buildings. We've done applications of our products at airports such as uh, IAH, George Bush International at, uh, in Houston. We've done it at LAX. Uh, we've also done it at the Supreme Court of the United States in Washington, as well as a few FBI headquarters across the country. So, you know, our product is the only one on the market that has independent third-party lab validations, as well as the proprietary product that makes up the C-Bond so when you use this in conjunction, a piece of half-inch glass with three layers of window film and the C-Bond solution on the glass and in between the window film, as you saw, 100% of the time with three layers of film uh, and a handgun, the bullet will not penetrate the product uh, and it will stop in its tracks. And then if you want to go even thicker for assault rifle capabilities, uh, we can go up to eight or nine layers of film on a three-quarter inch piece of glass and as you saw when you shot you shot it very well that first one did miss but you shot the AR really well at the end of the presentation I think we took two or three shots and as you know it did not penetrate the product so you know we're very confident in what we do and how we can help um, protect our kids. We're talking with Scott Silverman he's the chairman and CEO of C-Bond Systems. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace, this is Mod 2A. You're listening to Come and Talk with Radio with Michael Cargan. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Talking with Scott Silverman. He's the chairman and CEO of C-Bond Systems. And he's talking to us about securing our schools. We should do a little more to make sure that our elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools have better security. And part of that, you know, one of those tools is, you know, doing something to the windows, to the glass. You know, so Scott, uh, you're telling us about the different layers that you guys actually have. What are those different layers again? Yeah, so the way our product works is uh, you take a half-inch piece of glass, for example, which is typical in most of the schools across the United States right now, and you put on three layers of 10 mil window film. And there's three main window film manufacturers in the United States. Uh, they are 3M, Eastman, and Matico. So regardless of which you use, as long as, it's the, as long as it's the 10 mil film, and you take that film and you uh, put it on the back of a piece of half-inch piece of glass using the C-Bond fluid or liquid, the solution that contains our proprietary technology. And what that does is it makes the window film actually be more adhesive or be stronger 
as it applies itself to the glass, just like when you're putting on tint on a car window, for example. But rather than using soap and water, you're using the Seabond solution that makes the first layer stronger and actually strengthens the underlying glass. Okay, and, what and then I, you put two more layers. What I, yep. fa- what I found interesting was when we, we fired the shot you know, at your, your protective glass, the, the shot, the bullet didn't actually go through. It actually it did shatter the glass, but it, didn't go, it did not go through the film. Right, so the glass itself is not ours. We don't make the glass. It's just a typical half-inch piece of glass that you can buy anywhere. And right. then what we do is we put on the film with the C-Bond solution in between the layers of the film. And the film and the solution, Michael, acts as what I call a catcher's mitt. So the glass will shatter, but the bullet will not, 100% of the time, go through the C-Bond solution of the three layers of film and our proprietary liquid technology, our nanotechnology, if you will. So that is the product, and uh, you can picture it as a catcher's mitt that's catching a bullet where the glass breaks, but the catcher's mitt doesn't let the bullet go beyond the catcher's hand. That's how, and that's how is, I try to explain it to people that don't understand the technology. Right, and it is designed to ricochet and come back at that person that's firing that shot. Uh, not necessarily ricochet, but uh, certainly not go through the glass. So okay. the glass itself will, will uh, break and potentially fly back towards the shooter, or in our case, the people that were watching you shoot it. Right. Um, but the bullet, itself, the bullet itself usually drops to the ground pretty near the vicinity of the glass itself. Now, what I also liked is the fact that if I'm inside the building, because we turned the glass around, and if I'm inside the building and I'm shooting out, the bullet would actually go through that direction. Yeah, one of the things that's really cool is what we call our one-way capability. So you've heard me say three times now that we put the film and the solution on the back of the glass. Correct. So if you're standing in front of the glass from where you were shooting, and you're shooting at the plain piece of glass that has the three layers of film and the solution on the back, the bullet will not go through. But if you turn it around and have the film in front of the glass, the bullet will go through the glass. So in theory, if you're a security guard at a high school in Austin, Texas, and a bad guy comes to the vestibule and wants to shoot and get into the building, the bullet will not go through, but you as the security guard inside the vestibule will be able to take a clean, clear shot directly at the perpetrator. Yeah, because that's interesting because, you know, there are some schools here in Austin that actually, they actually have a bank, a credit union inside the high school. And so that, to me, that, that actually provides even more of a target for our schools when you add a bank or a credit union actually inside the school. So one of our high schools has this. And, and so let me, I want to invite people to call in and ask some questions about this technology. Our call in number is 512-543-2284. That's 512-543-2284, which is 512-543. Come in, talk it. So call in and, and, and ask the questions that you have. Um, go ahead, Zach. You have some questions. I got a question. Um, is it ever a good idea, even if the glass can be shot through, to try and shoot someone through glass like a windshield or window? Scott, I think that's a question well, for you. Well, you know, I, when you say a good idea, you know, obviously if you're protecting yourself and you need to shoot someone through a piece of glass, you know, then it could be a good idea. But if you're, if you're doing it, obviously, for illegal purposes, it's not a good idea. But as far as our product goes, um, you know, there's really no applicable answer there. Is that we, if you're, if uh, we don't make an automotive 
bullet resistant or bulletproof product. Ours is primarily for uh, architectural glass and a window pane. Okay. It's my understanding when you shoot through glass, the bullet has slightly different trajectory. It's yeah, affected. It, so again, I'm I, I'm not a gun expert. Michael's probably more of a gun expert than I am. But how we start our demo, Zach, and, and Michael saw it the other day, is we just take a piece of untreated half-inch glass, we put it on the target, we take a shot, and it's a pretty clear, straight path that goes right through the bullet on, uh, right through the glass onto the target behind it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's it, it may have a slight directional change when it hits the glass, but from what my experience is, it still remains pretty straight and true. Yeah, it depends on it depends on the bullet that you're using. Depends on the caliber also, uh, how far that's going to actually go. Because uh, we tested that with nine mil, and the nine mil just full metal jacket, um, and that was um, high velocity nine mil also. So that actually hit the glass and went down just a little bit once it hit the glass. Um, and then the AR, the AR actually, uh, we, I don't think we tested out with the AR. We actually went straight to the uh, the bullet resistant glass for the AR. Correct, S Scott. That's correct. Yeah, okay. we did not uh, test a untreated piece of glass with the AR. We only used uh, the treated glass with eight layers of film in the C-Bond solution. Now, when you treat that, you said you, if you do one side, then that's the, the one-way action. But is it is a possibility to treat both sides of the glass, correct? That's correct. Uh, but that, if you treat both sides of the glass, then you're not going to have the one-way capability that's going to block either direction correct and then uh can you do that on regular glass like just whatever glass the person actually has at their like for example a gun store we already have the glass installed the gun yep. store you just go ahead and put that on top of the existing glass correct well number one in order to be nij certified national institute of justice certified which is what we like to do when we apply our product um it needs to be a half inch piece of annealed glass uh, which in most architectural settings, you either have a quarter-inch or a half-inch piece of annealed glass. And if it's a quarter-inch, we'll suggest to you as our customer that you purchase new glass at a half an inch. If okay. you want to go to the uh, assault rifle level, which is the NIJ2 and plus standards, you're going to have to go to a three-quarter-inch piece of glass. Now, what about uh, vehicles? Is it something that you can put in vehicle glass as well? In theory, you can. Um, we have never gone as far to uh, test automotive glass for bullet-resistant capabilities because, as you know, Michael, our automotive product is something completely different. Correct. There's no window film involved. It is a spray-on, squeegee-off product that we call Seabon Nano Shield that you're going to be able to find on Amazon starting December 1st. And what Seabon Nano Shield does is it uh, fills in the microscopic flaws that you can't see on a, on a windshield and makes your windshield up to 80% stronger in order to prevent uh, cracks and breaks in your windshield. So it's a new product based on our intellectual property technology out of Rice University, and we think it's going to have a big hit for the insurance business, for example, because uh, windshields are the number one claim in the United States, and they would love to lower those claims by providing you as the insured a bonus or incentive in order to put Seabon Nano Shield onto your windshield. And we're using it today with rental car companies that um, have proven that this lowers your repair and, and replace opportunities or, or problems by as much as 80%. But that's a, a very different product unrelated to the architectural 
C-bond bullet resistant solution that we're talking about today. All right. All right. Thanks, Scott. All right. So, all right. So let's go ahead and listen to this 911 call because uh, it gets chaotic in schools whenever there's a, an attack um, and, and things just go just out the window. Listen to this. Jefferson County 911. Yes, I'm a teacher called by high school. There is a student here with a gun. He has shot out a window. I believe one student shot. Um, I've been Columbine high school. I don't know what's in my shoulder. If it was just a lap, do you know what? Okay, has anybody been injured, ma'am? Yes. Okay. And the school is in a panic, and I'm in the library. I've got students down under the table, kids. Head down to the table. Um, take the screening. The little teachers um, are, you know, trying to take control. We need police here. We need okay. Police. We're getting them there. Who is the student, ma'am? I do not know who the student is. Okay. I saw a student outside. I was in hold and hold and I thought, okay. I was on hold and I saw a gun. I said, what's going on out there? And he said, oh, it's probably something else. He told me a joke. I said, well, I don't think that's a good idea. And I went walking outside. I think he was damn. See what was going on. He turned the gun straight at us. Hello, this is Gerald Darty, and I'm the Precinct 3 County Commissioner here in Travis County, and you're listening to Common Talking. Talk 1370. This is for that little child with no father. Welcome back to Come and Talk It, and now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're talking about securing our schools. We're talking about protecting the kids, uh, the elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools, and doing just a little more than what we're doing now. Uh, yes, we do. I do believe we need to arm our teachers. We need to do something and start shooting back. And then also, we all, we need to, you know, add a little more security in the schools. You know, maybe, uh, I don't know if we're going to do armed security guards. What do you think, Felicia? What should we do? Yeah, hold on. hold on just one second. There you go. Go ahead. I think our first step is single point entry exit. If you have one place where people leave the school and enter the school, then you can see everyone who comes in and out. Right. You need to start monitoring. Have your cleaning staff and your teachers monitor all the outside doors because they have to be there for fire code and make sure that they aren't propping them open for one reason or another, that they aren't accessible from the outside. Um, and you need to start paying attention to your kids bulletproof glass is great um i'm not sure it's actually going to solve any of the problems that we have because until you get to the root of the problem and you start paying attention to your kids and identifying the problem before it's a problem and monitoring your school single exit entry and bulletproof glass isn't going to do enough what do you think zach you know what i think yeah i want to know what you think zach i think that we should let those teachers who are willing and have their license to carry to carry without any kind of uh, any kind of stink made about it, just secretly carrying. Okay. And we do have a, several programs. You have the school marshal program. You have the school safety program. Uh, the school marshal program, they have to keep the gun locked up in the lockbox, which I think that's a weakness. Mm-hmm. And then there's a school safety program, which, uh, which means they can actually keep the gun on them inside yeah, the school that's what I, so think. I actually like that one the best yep so yeah so i, I and it, exactly we're not talking about making someone who's unwilling or anything like that there are teachers out there that are willing to do this absolutely and we should allow them to do it is what you're saying mm-hmm. just like um in harold isd up in north texas 
Uh, ever since 2007, Harold ISD, they've allowed the teachers and the staff to carry at the elementary school, middle school, and high school. And they're the first university, I'm sorry, the first uh, high school, elementary school, middle school in Texas to actually do this, the first school district. And so they use 4603. Paragraph one, very last line, says they have the authority to do this as a institution. And so they did. They gave written permission to the teachers to actually be able to carry. And they didn't tell anyone for years. Uh, so and, and I also think that we should do more tools. And that's where the glass comes in. You know, I think we add that as another tool. Then that gives the uh, the teachers or security or whoever, you know, the opportunity. And also gives the police some time to get there. Because usually our law enforcement, they take they need about three or four minutes to arrive at the scene and then to to actually gain entry into the building. Uh, so I think that would give them a little more time to get there uh, to where they can actually, you know, protect the kids. What do you think about that? Scott Silverman, CEO of Seabon Systems. You know, first of all, I'm enjoying this conversation a lot. And Zach and Felicia, I, I thank you for your input. And, and I'll, I'll comment on a few things. First of all, Felicia. You're right in that um, improving the infrastructure can start with uh, single point ingress and egress. However, some of these schools that we look at are tough to do that. Like in South Florida, for example, a lot of the schools, and in Texas, a lot of the schools are outdoor hallway schools um, that have no outside walls along the hallways, for example. Although there is fencing and other things, obviously a perpetrator is going to get past the fencing as an example. And when it comes down to uh, teachers and arming teachers and, and uh, background checks and, and mental health evaluations and things to that effect, we're all for that. We believe that doing anything we can to lower the number of fatalities and injuries that happen from school shootings it should be done, period, end of story. Our role, Michael, though, is a very limited role when it comes to the infrastructure and quote-unquote hardening of schools. Because in addition to putting up bullet-resistant glass, you need to look at electronic automatic, automatic locks from the inside only, not from the outside. You need to look at surveillance systems. You need to look at bullet-resistant or bulletproof uh, vestibules for the ingress and egress. You need to look at the security, office, security officers at the site. Schools can make decisions whether to arm teachers and things to that effect. But all that fits into the large puzzle and at the end of the day, we're still not going to stop 100% of the the, the, the the crazy shooters that want to kill children. But if we can save one life at a time in Texas or one life at a time across the country, we'll play that little role as the provider of bullet-resistant solutions. By no means are we the, the end goal of saving all these children. But again, one one life saved because of bullet-resistant glass will make me a happy man. So. Hey, Scott, so how can we find Seabon Systems? Yeah, Seabon Systems is uh, based out of Houston, Texas. Uh, we also have a, a satellite office in uh, uh, South Florida, right near Parkland, actually. And we are a public company that trades on the exchange as the symbol is C-B-N-T, Charlie, Boy, Nancy, Thomas. So you can look us up on the stock exchange. And our website is cbonsystems.com and uh, we'd love to tell you guys more and talk to anyone that would like to uh, engage us in conversation. All right. Thank you, Scott. I so appreciate you coming on the show to tell us about it. And I look forward to getting this stuff installed in Central Texas Gunworks. We look forward to doing that, Michael. And uh, thank you for having me on the show today. I appreciate it. Absolutely, sir. All right. Yeah, go ahead. You know what I think 
schools should not do? What should they not do? They should not do what a school district in Erie, Pennsylvania did. Did oh, you hear about them? No, what they do? What they do? They gave him a bunch of mini baseball bats. And what happened? About the length of my forearm. And that's their that's their safeguard. In oh, case no, no. An active shooter comes. They have these little mini baseball bats, probably a foot and a half long, and a third of the width of a real baseball bat. Did anything bad happen? <laughs> not yet. No, okay. Okay, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll stay tuned to that school district. Hey, uh, we, we had some crazy stuff happening in the news this week, uh, didn't we? Uh, God, what happened? Yeah. It was, uh, what was it? Uh, Congressman Swalwell. Yeah, what's up with him? He says nuke them all, didn't so he? So some idiot, <laughs> yeah. Of course, he's a, he's a rep in California. Right. Right? And so he proposed a mandatory uh, assault rifle buyback. And right. then That's he happen. came out with a tweet basically saying that, um, hey, you know, you can have your rifles and you think you're going to fight the U.S. with those? No, we got nukes. <laughs> well, you're going to nuke U.S. citizens, right? Uh-huh. Guess what? If you nuke someone, you not only do you kill them, you also kill yourself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. What's wrong, Felicia? You're over there. You're tapping. What, what's up? Go ahead. Tell me. Oh, I'm just antsy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm not a believer in bulletproof glass. Unless you're POTUS, I don't think you need it. Oh, man. I, I, I love it. I'll be honest I mean, with you. I mean, maybe in like- I like it for my vehicle. But no one hates you that much. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you need it. <laughs> Questionable. <laughs> See? I See? Just, you change your mind. I mean, I'm just thinking. And, and so um, our probable- Texas um, Speaker of the House, Representative Bonin, came out this past week and said that school finance was the number one priority for the state of Texas. Right. School finance and property taxes are the biggest issue. And this is a bipartisan issue. People are ticked off on both sides. And now you want to put in to the budget for schools that they need to have all bulletproof windows? And I, I just don't see this as a viable solution. It's, it's expensive. Um, it's most shooters don't come through the window. They sneak in through a back door or in the open hallways that he's talking about. And I get one life saved it is is a win. But it just doesn't seem fiscally responsible. It would be more fiscally responsible to lock all the doors, monitor all the doors, and put a metal detector at the front door and do single entry exit. We have more security at the Capitol for our elected officials than we do at schools for our kids. And that doesn't sit well with me. And I don't think the conversation's over, but I don't think adding an additional financial burden to our education system is the answer either. Mm-hmm. All right. So it just kind of makes me mad. And also the, the nuking guy bothers me too. That's not yeah, how that Representative works. Representative Swallowell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't even care to learn his name. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to hear that name again. <laughs> I just don't want to hear the name. Yeah, he can nuke us when we don't give him his... Give him our AR-15s, but he yeah, can he, deal with the nuclear winter afterward. No, right. no, you and your neighbors, you give up your guns, and then you'll only die of cancer from the fallout from the other yeah. people he has to I nuke. will never give up my guns. All right, so let me, let me <laughs> change gears here. Uh, so educators used to respect open debate and provocative ideas, but many professors now think that keeping students in their comfort zones is more important than treating them like adults. So let me bring into the conversation Quaid Lancaster. He's a Navy veteran and a college student. Uh, Quaid, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. 
Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right. Absolutely. So you're you're a student. You used to be a student. Well, you're still registered. Let me say that at Lone Star College Tumball, correct? That is correct. All right. And you used to be student body president. That is also correct. All right. And then all of a sudden something happened where there was a, like a debate at the the college there one one evening and so tell us about what you know what happened when you you walked into the student center and there was some conversation going on you walked in then what happened sure michael so i walked into the student center at lone star college tomball i was serving as the student government president at the time and this was in the wake of the shooting that took place in parkland florida very hard time, very contested time for our students and for people all over the country. So, I mean, it was really obvious that there were going to be people upset and discussing these things. So I walked into the student center, which is where we hold our student government functions. There was a young lady in there and she was very upset, very riled up at some other male students who really didn't agree with the fact that we needed to remove guns from society to solve the issue of gun-related crimes and violence. So, I mean, he, he, um, he opined that, you know, the Second Amendment was necessary for freedom of speech and what have you. And this female continued to harass and berate the student to a point where I actually interjected myself into the conversation because she was not a member of student government and the student that was being harassed was. So I interjected myself into the argument and I asked her why she felt the way that she did conversation continued and I explained and vocalized my support for the second amendment. You know, I tried to explain to her, you know, these things are very essential to the core of what it means to be a free society. You have the right to speak freely and you have the right to keep and bear arms to protect yourself, your property and your family. So, I mean, I really touched on some very serious issues with this individual and I came from a place of understanding during which she insulted my military status by giving me a backward salute and referring to me as a soldier Mm, Which okay. in context is incorrect. Well, hold that thought. I'm a sailor. All right, so hold that thought. We come back. We're going to let Quaid finish his story because we're talking about, you know, is this, there's an indoctrination going on at our colleges and our universities around the country. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Foley on the War, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so our educators used to, they, they used to respect open debate and provocative ideas. But many professors now think that keeping students in their comfort zones is more important than treating them like adults. What do you think about that? Uh, so Quaid is a student at... Uh, well, he's still a registered student at Lone Star College, Tumball. I think, Quaid, you go to another college now, correct? That is correct. I go to San Jacinto College. Nice. All right, so you so you go into the, the you know, student union there. You guys get into it. There's a debate going on, and then she starts disrespecting the Navy, and, you know, and, you know, and I have a little problem with that. Not a major problem, but just a little one because I was in the Army. So I, I, could see, I could see just a little bit how you're upset. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm just messing with you there, Quaid. 
All right, so, but yeah, absolutely. So there's an issue there. Now, what happened after that? So we went on with business as usual, and I, um, I left the room, realized I wasn't getting anywhere with this individual. So I left the room, went home for the day, and I came back the next day to check in with student government. You know, everything just kind of breezed over. Right. Wasn't really too worried about it. And I got pulled aside by the program advisor, Shannon mm. Marino. And she informed me that I would no longer be serving as the president for the Lone Star Student Government Association because my viewpoints didn't conform to the college system. Now, is that the right, she, is that the right procedure for them to do that? What's the what's the correct procedure for them to remove the not. president? Okay. So what, what so she done? the procedure would be as follows. So what they normally do is they send you a certified letter in the mail that you have to sign for. And in this letter, it outlines the reasons why you're being suggested for removal. Then they give you a specific date to come and appear before the executive council and also some select members of the college administration who actually work as faculty so that they can come and witness and see what happened. You're told why you're being removed in the letter and you're given an opportunity to come forward and issue a rebuttal about any of the claims. So, so, all, Following that, that, so all that's supposed to happen. And instead, you just end up walking into a room and they're like, hey, by the way, you're no longer going to be you know, the college president. Right. Wow, that's crazy. And then the hostility continued from there. Now, okay, because then some other things happen, you know. So, so they removed you, and then your car was your vehicle was keyed. It sure was. It was keyed in the parking lot at school. I came outside, and a friend had noticed that my vehicle had been keyed. He let me know. He's like, "Dude, somebody keyed your car." And I, I looked, and I mean, there were very, very good scratches all the way across the trunk of my vehicle, and I was. Very upset about it. And then not only so, did that, the, some people, someone started following you as well. That is correct as well. There was a vehicle that I had two other friends in the car with me. We were coming back from a park. There was a white Mercedes with a Lone Star faculty sticker on the windshield that followed me. And I realized they were a little bit too close for comfort. So I took a turn away from my place of residence and I kept driving. I made several different turns. This car followed me all the way through this neighborhood. Okay. And as soon as I tried to, I pulled my car over because at this point I want to figure out who's following me because it's making me nervous. So I pulled my vehicle over to the side of the road and they, they kept going. Okay. They looked straight through my windows and they kept driving. You know, and, and a lot of this concerns me because, you know, here you are, you know, a, a Navy vet college student and you're, you know, you're defending the Second Amendment. And all of a sudden, because your stance on the Second Amendment, you're not allowed to be, you know, hold the position as student body president. You know, I guess you're supposed right. to be against the Second Amendment to be able to hold that position. Uh, right. So I'm, I'm going to say yes to that, because <laughs> the way that it was explained to me is that as the president of the Student Government Association, it's, it was my responsibility to uphold the values and vision of the college and to reflect the opinions of the students while not providing my own. So I was told that because of my viewpoints, not aligning with the colleges, I would be removed from that point going forward. Now, mind you, this information became public and then it really took a turn for the worse. Yeah. So they're saying the college's stance is what? You know, they're, so they're, they don't, they're not wanting to adhere to what the governor has signed into law as far as campus carry and stuff like that? I would say yes. And the reason I say that is because they're going to do what they have to legally to remain constitutionally compliant with state legislature. 
But as far as where they stand on freedom of speech and supporting the rights of the students, they very specifically stated that they only promised freedom of thought at that campus and that students did not need to vocalize the type of opinions that I myself have. And I mean, this is an ongoing issue. I mean, 10 years ago, the same exact thing happened with another student. This is not an isolated incident. They don't like conservative, outspoken students because I believe that colleges are politically driven to push a motive. And I believe that that's where the indoctrination comes from. And I find that shocking being that I came out of the Navy to go get my education and I, and I see it for what it is. I have world experience. So I see, and I'm like, this is socialism. This is, this is a push to teach people things that are against American values. And, and I was not okay with that. And they tried to make me go to an event called March for our lives as the student president. They wanted me to coordinate the activities to go March against the second amendment. And I refused. I said, no, I'm not going to do that because I don't agree with that. I'm not going to march against the Second Amendment. And I completely disagree with that. What do you think about that, Zach? Yeah, they wanted you to go on the march for subjugation, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a great quote by Alan West. He says, an armed man is a citizen. A disarmed man is a subject. Mm. I, I tell you what. Absolutely. <clears throat> you, you, you're probably going to have to, you know, hopefully... I think someone should actually take up your case, you know, because one, you remove this uh, student body president uh, mainly for your views of the Second Amendment. And, and I'm curious to know whether or not that university actually is following the, the Texas uh, campus carry law uh, to the letter like they're supposed to. I wonder if they're posting signs the way they're supposed to post the signs. I wonder if uh, they're posting the right signage. So I'm just curious. I need I need someone need someone who's close by, uh, Lone Star College in Tumball, Texas, to go visit Lone Star uh, College in Tumball there, and take some pictures and let me know you know what's going on there. You know are the signs properly posted. Uh, there is it a thirty dot six sign with block letters, one inch in height, clear to visit the public in English, and Spanish, and contrasting colors. Just curious what you got to say there, Quaid. Right. And I, you know, I agree with you 100 percent. And, you know, I, I, I don't I'd like to not forget the fact that once this information came out through the media, my student academic rewards were revoked from me in front of my family as retaliation. And, and I'm willing to bet that there's several areas in which this college is not compliant with legislation because of how it was uncovered through the investigation of the campus reform journalists that they had notated several things that were in disagreement with state policy and how public universities are supposed to conduct their business. They unconstitutionally mandated free speech zones. And even, and I have a, copies of this, they even make students fill out an application requesting permission to speak freely in specified zones of the college campus, which I find that to be ridiculous. So I'm willing to bet that they're not in compliance with several different open carry policies. It wouldn't be far out of it wouldn't be far out of reach to to. All right. So what, we're, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a little research, um, and then we're going to get you back on again because I, I need to dig into Lone Star College a little more and get some people to go take a look at the college and stuff like that to make sure uh, and and to see you know if they're actually following the the Texas law when it comes to campus carry, and then we'll get you back on and we'll dig more into this story. So I I definitely want to thank you for coming on today, Quaid. Um, stay strong. You know, study hard. We want you to, you know, once you leave the university that you're at now, you're going to, uh, you want to go to uh, Texas A&M, correct? That is correct. Aggie Nation. All right. So we hope you good luck with that. And, and hopefully we'll see you in Austin the next time uh, we have you on the show. You'll be here, you know, inside studio. 
Yeah, absolutely, Michael. I really appreciate the opportunity, and thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. Now, I want you guys to listen to this little clip here. We're not going to listen to all of it, just a short amount of it, but take a look at this. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the... So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, You'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out there and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. I'll take my life, my liberty, my pursuit of happiness, just let me be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.